And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Adversity is universally important for growth. And I think that that's something that, you know, we need as a team, we need as an organization. And I think the next five games provide us with, with a valuable opportunity to grow and work through, you know, what will be a very difficult stretch. Falling too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Baker, what did you make of, of some of the booing there in the second half from the fans? Those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate, so don't really care. We all understand what's at stake and those type of things, but we're all looking forward to the challenge uh, that we have in each one of these weeks and starting this week uh, versus Baltimore. to another episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. We are back. We had a bye week, just like Brown did. It was very relaxing, much needed. I am Tyler Johnson. I am joined this evening by Jack Robinson. Jack, how are we doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Well, I'm good, man. It, it was it was nice to be able to kind of recharge. Um, of course, we had some things like in progress. That's why we took a break. But just having a break overall from the Browns, from football, it was it was kind of nice. I yeah, we, yeah, we really needed the break. It was, I was kind of getting a, a bit uh, overloaded on on Browns information for the past couple of weeks. Exactly. See, that's the thing about it, though. Even though we were on a bye week, I was kind of like, well, man, this like on Sunday, I can't watch the Brown like. It was kind of sad. See, I was upset, but I was kind of happy at the same time. Like, well, man, I can't have anything to watch now. Yeah, I need to. So- I, I just needed to breathe there, honestly. Like, I, I, I was. It was weird not not being able to uh, to watch any Browns football, but at the same time, it was like God. I just needed a. I needed a week to just collect myself after what we saw last week. Yeah, for sure, man. And of course, before we get into the show, some news that we have on our front is um, our our creative worker behind the scenes, our graphic designer, Zach, other Zach, I, I like to call him because I, I, I have not gotten his last name yet. But anyway, <laughs> he is designing for us a Twitch channel. That is where our live shows in the near future are all going to be. Um, you'll be able to send us any questions you have, any comments you have. And we will actually be doing our first giveaway on that on the Twitch channel as well. When we get up to 500 followers, we are giving away a signed Joel Petonio jersey. So that's something that you guys will want to be a part of. You'll have to go to our our um, Twitter page. That is at FD Podcast CLE. It is the pinned tweet. You have to retweet that post, and then you just have to follow us on Twitch. It's very easy. If you don't have an account, it takes 30 seconds. And then you'll have it, and you'll be able to be entered into the giveaway. And, and what's awesome about Twitch, too, it's going to give us the opportunity to have even more giveaways for you guys as we go throughout the season. So that's something we're really excited about. We can't wait to be able to get that started. And I know Zach has been working behind the scenes a lot to design that and really give you guys a great experience with Twitch. But of course, the Feeling Dangerous podcast, as always, is brought to you by Jack Scott over Newell by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years, earned the JD Power Award for customer satisfaction. And that's just another reason to call Jack today at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. Two four, Jack. The bottom line is, we've had a week to digest this. The Browns in Baltimore. The, the Browns lost sixteen to ten. It was on Sunday Night Football. The weather looked pretty good. Um, the Browns had a great first drive, and well, that's about what they had was a good first drive for the offense. Um, overall, before we attack at defense and offense, what were your overall takeaways from the game last Sunday? Uh, it was actually kind of a boring game. I mean, there, uh, obviously there was a lot of defensive highlights, and there there were some flashes in the pan on on. Oh my! Oh, look who's here. Uh, there, up, there was boys? there were some flashes of of offense there, but for the most part, this was just a dirty game. There wasn't really a lot to take away from it that was positive out, outside of maybe the defensive performances. Uh, honestly, this was just a, a huge missed opportunity by the Browns to really you know get themselves back into the the AFC North race and into the AFC playoff race. 
Yeah, Zach. So I'll, I'll throw the same question over to you. And we are joined by our other uh, co-host, Zach DeFranco. He's um, he's only four minutes late, so we're good. Yeah. We're good. Sorry, I, I had a problem with my leopard gecko. So no, you're, <laughs> you're yeah, you're good. You're you're on camera, so we're making we're making some progress. Making improvements. Here. We're making improvements. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, what I was asking Zach, um, Jack. Gosh, I get your names. It's a tongue twister <laughs> a lot. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway. We're going to address, of course, go through the offensive defensive grades here. But I want your overall takeaways from last Sunday's game. We've had a week to digest it, kind of refocus, and get ready for Baltimore again this week. What were your main takeaways from the game last Sunday? Uh, I, f- I felt like we just abandoned a lot. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just it felt like we abandoned the run game. I mean, when you have a you know a running back duo of Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb, and you run the ball seventeen times, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. So. Mm-hmm. To, to put the game in, in an injured quarterback's hands, to throw the ball 43 times against a division rival on the road, it just didn't make sense to me. I mean, obviously, we wanted to see Baker be able to take control of those types of games and lead the team to victory and stuff. But, I mean, it just seemed like it was the whole game was just in Baker's hands. The defense stepped up. It did what they had to do. Four turnovers against Lamar Jackson. You couldn't ask for anything better. But that being said – to kind of just be like, hey, Baker, here's Jarvis Landry and a tight end. Go win the game for us. It just didn't make much sense to me, especially with Conklin going out as well. It, it just didn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, it overall, it, it just wasn't good. Like like I was telling Jack at the very beginning, pretty much the offense, the beginning of the game, they looked really good, even though, I mean, they didn't get any points out of it. But the very first drive, they looked really good. We're going to get into that a little bit more here later on. But for me, too – the offense just has not shown up and abandoning the run game. We're going to dig into that more deeper because that's an overall a touchy subject because again, we have a beat up quarterback, but Kareem Hunt and Nick Shovel and getting 15 combined carries. I agree. Very 15. difficult. See, there. I, I even gave them extra carries. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, they didn't get a lot of touches at the same time. They, the Browns were doing very bad at running the ball um, overall. And I want to start off on the defensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, it was a, it was very good for the Browns' defense um, on on Sunday. There's no way around. It. I mean, you held Lamar Jackson, you forced him to four turnovers. I think we can all agree if we would have had that at any point this year, we would have been absolutely ecstatic by that. It is seeing yeah. the fact that um, our defense able to do that, but that some of the guys who had really good grades, Grant Delpit had a 91.1 defensive grade, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa an 88.1, Malcolm Smith a 78, Greg Newsom had a 77.7, along with John Johnson a 77.7, Miles Garrett a 73.2, and Sione Takitaki a 72.1. So there were a lot of standouts on the Browns defense, but Jack, this is going to go over to you because again, you're the guy who every week, usually very critical of Joe Woods, but we're all going to – I think we can all agree, Joe Woods, this defense is designed to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense, and they did exactly that last Sunday. They gave Lamar a lot of looks that he, he was very uncomfortable with. Obviously, he was throwing the ball uh, kind of haphazardly. He didn't really know exactly where his, the coverages were going to be, which is how we see you know a lot of these picks. Uh, and, and I mean, really, he I like that he was able to use JOK a lot more. JOK was just an absolute monster in the in the secondary and just getting getting behind the line and, and stopping, uh, you know, running opportunities from, you know, either Devontae Freeman or from Lamar Jackson. And really, I don't have any complaints about the defense other than, of course, the the big play that ended up really sealing the game for the Ravens, which was that that huge touchdown pass to uh to Mark Andrews. But I mean, I I don't know how anyone could possibly say that this game is on the defense when, I mean, they got four takeaways and the offense was only able to translate that to three points. Yeah. That's another thing. Like you get four turnovers and you only score three points. I get it. Our, our offense really isn't as high powered as, you know, we all praised it to be coming into this season. But like I said, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were both back. I, I get it. It didn't look like it was working out at first, but just to, to abandon it that quick, it just didn't make sense to me. It definitely didn't seem like a Stefanski approach in coaching. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I, I want to talk about the defense because this defense, we're, we're going to talk about them not as much because they, I mean, they really showed out in the offense is a huge question mark right now. But Grant Delpit probably had overall one of his best games as a pro mm-hmm. um, last Sunday. JOK was all over the field. I, when you drafted JOK, 
this is exactly what you were envisioning was him to be able to stop Lamar Jackson and really contain these Ravens running backs. Again, they don't have J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. Pretty much it's all Lamar Jackson, and it seemed like we really wore him down. I know Miles Garrett and Clowney were getting a little frustrated because they're just chasing them all around and really not able to sack them a whole lot. But overall, I mean, the defense did very well um, for sure. There's no doubt about that. The guy who, for me – he only graded out at 61, but I thought Tensil Ward was very good in that game. I mean, they didn't throw his way much at all. So how do you guys feel about Denzel? Denzel Ward, his performance these last couple weeks has been nothing short of elite. How do you guys feel about Denzel as we go into the back half of the season? Extend that, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see how anyone can find any fault with Denzel. I, I mean, he's played lights out the, the last few games that, that he's played. I mean, every single time it seems like the ball goes his way, it's either knocked down or intercepted. So, I mean, I, I don't see any – I don't see how exactly they, they got to that score. Uh, I might have to just look more in, at exactly if maybe there's a, a particular play that's skewing it in one direction mm-hmm. or not. But, yeah, I don't know how I, – I, I don't see how anyone could ever – really find any fault in the, in the game that uh, in the gameplay that he, that we see on tape from him, because I mean, he just absolutely did work on shutting down Marquise Hollywood Brown. And I mean, I don't know what else you can expect from him uh, or what else you can ask from him because I mean, he basically did his job. The guy had was completely inefficient the entire game. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, and I agree. Absolutely have to extend Denzel Ward, and I, and I bet that gets done this offseason for sure. You you just know he's he's your top corner. He's a top 10 corner when healthy. It's it's very um, plain to see. But I want to talk about some news that came out yesterday. Jacob Phillips has been retroactive to return off the injured reserve list. He's been on that all season long. Uh, so talk about Zach, just what his addition really means for this defense, because he's a young linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brown, he has a lot of potential. What's his, how is he going to fit into this defense now going into the second half of the season? See, I, I could see him fitting in, you know, schematically, but the thing is how much does Joe Woods force him in there now? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of players have stepped up. I, I do think we are really lacking at linebacker still. And I feel like that's still a position we kind of look at in the off season, whether that be free agency or the draft, but I could definitely see Jacob Phillips coming here and making it, you know, making an impact. But with JOK, uh, Anthony Walker, Mac Wilson's getting a lot of reps. Like you mentioned, Sione Takitaki is stepping up tremendously right now. We'll see where he fits. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I could see him being more on a snap count right now to end the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how, what do you feel about that, Jack? Do you agree with that? Do you think Jacob Phillips can play a pretty decent role at the end of the year? Because with Takitaki really emerging, um, it makes me wonder what role, at least right now, that Jacob Phillips could really have in this defense, unless you possibly look to make Mac Wilson inactive, which he could. He did not play many snaps at all. He played three total snaps on last Sunday, unless that's the role you go. How would you handle that situation moving forward? Yeah, I'm not really sure because I, I'm not 100% sure exactly just, you know, whether or not he has like super fresh legs, whether or not he's going to come in and really give us a big boost on the defensive side. I think in a matchup like this, you want someone like Taki Taki and JOK out there who can get some speed, like athleticism, try to like especially stop these these running quarterbacks like like Lamar. So I, I think that I might agree with Zach here, especially considering that, that he, you know, last year he did have he did go out with an injury and then we lost him for a lot of this season that it might be best just to, you know, keep him on the low, maybe, you know, bring him in as a rotational player and just, you know, hopefully bring him back strong at the end of uh, at the beginning of next year. Just depending on what the contract situation is with Mac or one of our other linebackers, mm-hmm. rotate him in after we figure that whole situation out. Because yeah. I think right now we have a pretty strong rotation of who we want in at linebacker at any particular time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's nothing. That's nothing I was going to add, Jack. Great point, because our defense is kind of more and more getting developed each and every week. So with that being said, also, when you come to snap count, Delpit's still easing his way back in. And he looks like when he gets to play, he he should be a starter on our defense. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I mean, Joe Woods has been head scratching all year, except for last week and stuff like that. But I just don't see Jacob Phillips coming in here and just being like, oh, okay, let's go make an impact now, especially with how the defense is kind of starting to get more developed each week. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Grant Dell, but he did play 44 snaps on Sunday, so it seems yeah, like he's that- getting more reps. Um, Malcolm Smith only had nine snaps, and Mac Wilson only had three. I'm, I'm not saying this is going to happen, just because given we do have other other players injured right now, makes you wonder though. 
if Jacob Phillips doesn't get hurt in the preseason, if Mac Wilson's on this roster right now, because I, uh, you I, have I really a, don't think he is Anthony Walk because right now you have Anthony Walker. You have let, let, let's say Jacob Phillips like was healthy. You'd have Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, Sione Taki Taki, um, and then you'd have Mal- Malcolm Smith too. And, and this defense doesn't use a lot of linebackers to begin with. And you also bring up Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson from time to time to mm-hmm. move up there as well. So that's why I mean, and you wanted to keep Tony Tony Fields, who really hasn't seen the field much at all as a rookie. So that's yeah. why it just makes me wonder about Max I mean, Wilson's the, the, future the only, in Cleveland. The only- yeah, I mean, other than like special teams, and I I saw the other day on Twitter that he's our backup long snapper. He is. So I mean, you, you got you got to keep into account those kind of things. I mean, that that stuff's important though, because you never know, especially with all the COVID protocols and what's going on right now in the league. So mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, coaches have to tie in. It's definitely way more important than it sounds, you know. Oh it, yeah, it, it's very important, and that's a big part of overall. Like for Mac Wilson, the thing that he almost was cut for was the fact that he wasn't really a special teams guy. seems mm-hmm. like he's now on special teams units and been pretty effective and not to yeah. mention he is the backup long snapper, but the good news is uh, Charlie Hewitt's off the COVID list. So we don't have to worry about <laughs> fingers crossed. We don't have to worry about uh, Mac Wilson having to long snap it for us in an NFL game. <laughs> I'll, do it with you. I'll knock on some wood with you, <laughs> but some other guys that I, I thought played really well last Sunday, the numbers didn't necessarily add up. Um, John Johnson, I thought, played really well. He he had – honestly, guys, I think that is interception he had was pretty amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that yeah. he came up with. So I thought he played really well. Greg Newsome, you guys have probably seen the video on Hollywood Brown. Talk about the recovery like that he's able to have in order to get back on. I mean, we know how fast Hollywood Brown is. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Greg Newsom's reaction time was absolutely ridiculous. So I think I mean, you have another future and, and the, number and, one corner there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Newsom. that's what I was about to say. Like we have two number one corners on our defense right now. Like that's special. <laughs> that's something yeah. special. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was really surprised because looking at the grades, Anthony Walker doesn't surprise me with his grades at 44.3. He's been – pretty downhill um the second half of the year but Javian Clowney was a 46.2 that one surprised me maybe it's just because Lamar got away from him so many times that's my well, only yeah. guess yeah I thought Clowney had a really good impact on that that, that game. had to be it because honestly the thing is is that if, if he had just gotten if he was playing as any other quarterback he would have sacked got at least two or three sacks in that game it's just the mm-hmm. fact that when you're going against someone like Lamar Jackson and his he's just so elusive he's so he's just capable of doing so much with his legs you can't you can't really blame the, the his inability to get him on on Jadeveon. that's all just Lamar Jackson just doing in, what he does in that that one disaster play on our defense where you know Lamar was scrambling and then just threw it to Mark Andrews in the end zone real fast that's Did you just, notice the differences when you saw like Miles Garrett go up there and like pat Lamar on the helmet and Jadavian Clowney's helmet? Yeah, just, just his slammed helmet. his helmet on the ground. <laughs> like I, I was like, yeah, I'm with you, Clowney. I'm pissed off. Like I'm not gonna go and congratulate him in the middle of the game. Wait till after the game, man. But whatever. Yeah. At this point, it's one of those plays you have in Madden. You run all the way back. You run as far back as you can. Just heave it and hope you can yeah. do something. That's seriously I just don't get what the whole patting them on the helmet thing. I get it. Football's a family, but wait till after the game. You're in the middle of a game with your divisional rivals. The playoffs are on the line, kind of. You know, it. I just didn't understand that. I guess the part that for me, guys, is a little concerning when you're looking at um, the defensive grades. That defensive line, it is. It, it, the D tackle position is not very favorable right now. Malik Jackson's mm-hmm. wearing down due to age. He's at a 52.3. Malik McDowell, you can see he's wearing down. He's at a 53.8. I, I mean, you can just tell these guys are starting. Malik McDowell's understand. I mean, the guys have played football in five years. So hopefully this bye week really rejuvenates him because I think overall he has the talent to really make an impact. But Malik Jackson, he just looks old. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. definitely a concern for the Browns going into the last mm-hmm. – the last uh, or the season here, but the guy who I think should get more snaps going forward, another decent game on Sunday was Sheldon Day last Sunday. He had 21 snaps. He graded at 63.3. I, I think Sheldon Day needs to get some more reps in this defense. That's just my personal thought. Uh, he played really well in the preseason. Would you guys give more reps today going forward, or do you think you still have to stick with uh, McDowell and Jackson? 
No, you got to give it to the hot hand, no matter who it is, what position it is. And I totally agree with you, Tyler. The, the dude's been playing good. And that's a position that we did not expect to be, you know, slacking at depth-wise going into the season. You know, I, I expected Billings to have, I mean, a great year, to be honest with you. And he took that year off, and then he just didn't come back at all to be anything. But, yeah, yeah you got you got to go with the hot hand. I'm completely – I'm still shocked. I mean, I know you told me about him, but I'm still shocked that Malik McDowell is our best defense tackle on this team right now. Because, yeah, it, it's really I mean, bad. I mean, before the season when we signed him, Tyler was like, "That could be a hit. It's it's a it's a high risk, no a, a no risk, high reward signing." It, yeah, I it mean, worked out. It worked out, man. AB looks like a genius on that one. Man. Yeah, Seriously, it's yeah. it's actually kind of crazy. I didn't expect Malik Jackson to really have such a big decline from his uh, the from the last couple of years because he was playing really well for the Eagles just last year. So so yeah. seeing him really like go from that to not really being able to produce anything, I don't think he's really produced at all in this in this system. Even alongside Miles Garrett and Malik McDowell, who's playing better than him at this point. I don't, I, and yeah, I just don't see how they can possibly continue to think that they should be playing him with the majority of the snaps when Sheldon Day, who you would think that they'd want to get as much experience as possible since they probably see him as the defensive tackle of the future for like mm-hmm. going forward after this, after this season, why they wouldn't want to put him out there more, especially since it seems like he's actually doing what they ask him to yeah. do and he's getting he's a productive. bit more pressure. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I think that they need to start prioritizing actually, you know, getting their new players out there, especially when those new players are actually providing better uh, production than their, than the veterans. I completely agree with that. And Overall, though, that defensive tackle room, it's going to be another issue in the offseason that has to be addressed somehow. I mean, you have Malik McDowell. You'll have him for a little while on a cheap contract. Malik Jackson, at this point, he won't be back. Sheldon Day could definitely be back. You have Tommy Togiat. You're still going to have to make another move there. Probably a veteran because you don't want to add another rookie in what's a mediocre draft class. But And (laughs) and on top of that, we're going to have to look at defensive ends still, too. because Quite quite possibly. That's going that, to be interesting. Yeah, I just don't know because they're saying right now Clowney's on pace to earn $15 million a year. So, I mean, obviously we can wait. We can wait to talk about that. But, yeah, that's a big chunk of money to give between two defensive ends right now. Yeah, it is. And I think part of Malik Jackson just wearing down. Malik McDowell is having an effect, but with him starting to wear down as well, Malik Jackson in Philadelphia had – probably besides Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle in the NFL and Fletcher Cox, Pro Bowler Fletcher Mm -hmm. Cox next to him. And Malik Malik Jackson, that that attention wasn't focused on him. Well, now Malik McDowell's really wearing down and all that attention's on Malik Jackson. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it at least seems like from what I'm seeing is Malik Jackson's wearing down because there's no one to take pressure off him at all because he was the guy taking the pressure off Fletcher Cox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And – Moving to the offensive side of the ball, all, all I can say at this point, we, we talk about very frequently, this offense is broken, and I titled it in the show tonight, Defense Succeeds, the Offense is Broken. It clearly is. I mean, Baker Mayfield, 18-37, 247, a touchdown, sacked twice, had a fumble, Kareem Hunt, seven carries, 20 yards, Nick Chubb, eight carries, 16 yards, Jarvis Landry, six catches for 111 yards. That was encouraging. Outside of that, Harrison Bryant, three for 50. David Njoku, three for 35. Chubb, two for 23. Jamarcus Bradley, two for 18. Tyvin Peoples-Jones, two for 10. The numbers on offense are not good, and, and I'm and I'm only going to read a few of the grades because that's just how bad they are. Joel Petonio was the highest-graded Browns offensive player. Not a surprise. He normally is on offense. Yep. 89.5 offensive grade. Amazing. Harrison Bryant, before he went off with an injury, was at an 82 Really good by him. David Mm -hmm. Njoku is 77.4, so two tight ends in your top three. Jarvis Landry is 68.2. And Jed Wills, who I thought played terrible, still had a 67.7, which isn't great, but eh. And then Wyatt Teller and J.C. Treader, 64.2, 63.3. Skill position-wise, though, uh, Kareem Hunt was at a 54.3. Nick Chubb, his worst grade of the year, at a 48.9. Baker Mayfield uh, at a forty nine point at a forty nine point two here, and finally Blake Hans, who is Jack Conklin's replacement, was at a forty five point six. Stop the Initial, count. <laughs> Initial thoughts, gentlemen, on just the offense. Of course, we're going to go, especially Baker. We're going to dig into this more extensively here in a second. Mm-hmm. But 
Zach, your overall thoughts on this offense right now? Because to me, I don't think you can say it any better. This offense looks broke. It's it's yeah, it just looks like a complete dud right now. And I mean, to be honest, right now the whole entire AFC North looks broken. It looks like it needs fixed. But that being said, I don't care about the rest of them. I care about the Browns and it, I mean, there's not much help on this offense. You, you got to rely on the run game the rest of the season because nothing's changing that wide receiver right now. You got basically one consistent target who is Jarvis, and he's not even being that consistent. You know, I mean, he's had two, maybe three great games this year. Donald Peoples Jones has been a complete letdown, in my opinion, now ever since the Cincinnati game. And he's just, he's either, if he's open, he's catching the ball. If he has anyone around him, I think he's just scared to get hit he can't hold on to the ball i don't i don't know but yeah the offensive line is killing killing themselves with penalties jed wills is killing himself with penalties it just needs to tighten up it needs to get better as kevin stefanski would say it would just need to do better um <laughs> it, it's just rough right now man it's just rough to watch it is jack your, your thoughts on the offense right now? Because I, I really don't think there's a better way to describe it than it truly looks broken. There's not one single thing that right now you can constantly rely on with this offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we can all agree that that it, the offense isn't just broken. It just sucks. Like, <laughs> like it just it, nothing seems to work at all. Like, it, like if they run, if they blitz with eight, well, you're screwed. You're not going to be able to run the ball. If they blitz with eight, well, we're still screwed because the, the the three guys that they leave back there apparently are just going to play hard man press. And then guess what? You can't forget throw the ball because by the time the pressure gets there, no one has any separation. I mean, my God. And then we lose our tight ends. And I mean, we lost Harrison Bryan, who was, who, who was getting off to a really hot start. He, he got like two, yeah. two quick receptions. He was really making some some uh, some progress down the field. With chunk and then, plays too. Yeah, and then he gets hurt. And then yeah. all of a sudden we're down to, to two tight ends. And now we're going to be down to one tight end next week. And I mean, it's just going to suck even more more well, i mean i just don't we, even we signed really... we signed someone to the 53 from bama oh thank god he's uh, a good run blocking tight end too so uh, that could help we can run uh, some I, well, we, well we need all the help we can get because i mean we can't block we can't get out short pass plays we can't even run for a first down i mean i i don't know any part of this offense at least in the in this last week that looked effective at all i mean we were running wide receiver pass plays on first and 10 in like five yards from the red zone. Like, what are we doing? I just don't know what the heck okay. we're trying to do here. So Tyler, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's up? This, I mean, I think it does. What does this fall on Stefanski at all? I understand the the offense is nothing compared to what he expected it to be, what he wants it to be. His QBs injured, his running backs were battling injuries. His offense line is now, battling injuries his wide receiver room is nothing where he wants it to be whether people say it's fancy values wide receivers or not at all he does yeah. I, I believe he does 100 what what, so, what do you think is going on right now man i i think there's a there's a lot of things going on like you said baker mayfield's clearly not 100 i, I want to see what he looks like coming off a bye i'm hoping maybe that helped with the leg injuries and the healing I, I'm hoping that helped to where it's just a shoulder he's dealing with mm. I hate having to say that right now you're down Jack Conklin now for the season that's such a that's a bigger loss than yeah. what anyone's really talking about because Blake Hans is not it mm. I mean he yeah. got absolutely destroyed and embarrassed on last Sunday that's part of it and we're gonna dive into some film here in a minute your wide receivers cannot create separation in press coverage at all, and that's the problem. A coach's job, an offensive coach's job, offensive coordinator, head coach, whoever it is calling the plays, they need to call plays to get players open. That is their job. That is part of it. At the same time, you have to have players who can execute that. It comes hand in hand, and a lot more of it, though, is on the execution. Donovan Peoples-Jones – I love the kid. I, I do. I still think he's got a lot of talent, but right now he's asked to be a number one receiver. He's exactly. a former six round pick and mm -hmm. you can kind of tell he can't get open. That's a mm -hmm. problem. And then when he does, he drops the football Jarvis Landry. That worked really well on Sunday. I, I don't know if they were just playing off of him or what, but he, he looked like he had a lot of room to run. This offense is tight end centric. And mm -hmm. when we preview um, part two of the Ravens, on Saturday, we're going to talk about it more, but not having David Njoku, who um, is on, actually got placed on the COVID list today, forgot to cover that. Even though you bring in Miller for, Forstall, 
I don't know really what he – I mean, he's going to be the second tight end. You signed another one to the practice squad in Ross Travis. Johnny Stanton could play some tight end possibly, but you're without your three tight ends, and people are like, well, that's good on Stefanski because that means he's going to have to adjust. Yeah, okay. I saw that. Let, let, let me address that. When your offense is based around two or three tight ends consistently in your offense almost every, every play – being down two tight ends and having basically one or two, that's a problem. You can't just in the middle of a season decide, oh, well, we're just going to go shotgun every play. It's, it doesn't work that way. Like, and that's the problem. And having, I love the idea of getting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield together. I do. That's a that's more easier said than done when you're trying to do that at the end of your season. That's something that needs to be implemented at the beginning, exactly. like a training camp. Any camp, yeah. Like, that's something that you need to – have as a base of your offense like okay this is going to be something we run now you know yeah like, so that's what i'm worried about man and, like, a, and another thing is like our play action game is going even with the tight ends out now our play action game is going to be almost completely done we can't we can't bring in those extra blockers you know those tight ends to take attention off like oh man it's going to be tough to watch it is it's but brutal i I mean, that's if, all you if, can say if, if the fancy is the coach of the year last year let's see what he can do i think we're going to see a lot of more running the ball next week, though, still. I really do. And I hope that they're able to do it. It looks like James Hudson could possibly start right tackle over Blake Hans with a bye week, and they could have been getting him ready. So that could have been something really beneficial mm-hmm. uh, possibly there. At this point, and I have nothing against Blake Hans. I actually, given the fact that he's not a tackle and the job he's done, they even mentioned Michael Dunn possibly playing that role as well. The fact that Blake Hans is a guard, playing out at right tackle given the circumstances he's done the best he can i, I firmly believe it it's nothing against him personally oh yeah but no. i mean but right yeah. now it, it's just it, it's not working yeah <laughs> it's yeah. There's no other way to put it I we mean, have a lot of players that, right now we have sorry jack Angela that in a second we have a lot of players right now that are playing completely out of their comfort zone though yeah, yeah and, and again like you said it's nothing against blake hands i mean he's he's shown that he can play you know all, all over the line. I mean, he played what, like left guard in the playoff game last year. Mm-hmm. He's played, he's played gu- just regular white guard and now he's playing white tackle. I mean, the guy can play football. It's just that when you're going up against a scheme that is meant to really just take advantage of, of the offensive line's weaknesses and you're the weakest link, it kind of just makes you more uh, easy, easy to see that, that you're the one who's really, you know, making, making this whole thing just not, works as it's supposed to and i mean i i think it's just i ought to, obviously we're, we all feel really bad for jack conklin i mean he went out for a couple weeks uh after having such a strong start to the season and now he's done for the season and uh like we're, we're, we're gonna see how exactly if we, we're gonna see him again next year as a brown uh in 2022 but i mean yeah it just sucks not having you know your full strength at offensive line and it sucks that blake hands unfortunately is just kind of at the at the short end of the stick in that regard is there even a way to really separate from Jack Conklin after the season, or is that too big of a cap hit? Yeah, it's pretty much a $9 million cap hit $9 at this million. point. It, it's it, – now, if you know – if for some reason they found out that maybe it would keep him out, like, I mean, let's say till the end how, of next how, year. How maybe. long is that recovery process in general? Pretty pretty long. That, that type of injury, I'm not sure, but it can take mm-hmm. a while. I mean, they think he'll be out midway through next year. Yeah, exactly. So, but – on the offensive side, you, we have to talk about the quarterback. Uh, we're big. We defend Baker Mayfield very strongly in the show. We always have. I, I thought given the circumstances last Sunday, I thought he played pretty well. I really do. I mean, the completion percentage wasn't great. He had one fumble, and, and I think that – and when you go back on that, um, I, I don't have it queued up right now, but when you go back and look at that fumble, it looks like when he tries to get to Kareem Hunt, he wasn't even open to get him the ball. And so Baker then brings it back to like try and pump fake and then lose the ball. Double clutches like he's been having to do all season. Like yeah, yeah. So the Kurt the Kurt Warner film study. That's where this video is brought to you by. A Hall of Famer Kurt Warner went in and did just the first half on Baker Mayfield. Wanted to show that he's taken a lot of heat, but really it hasn't all been on him this year. So I, I just feel like that's something that that does need to be shared. And I wanted to show you guys as well. See, a lot of people are bringing this up, but the two tight ends that everyone says are wide open, they're right next to each other, which I don't yeah. think was supposed to happen That's just by looking at it. It's quite clear. If Donovan Peoples-Jones is the first read and it's open, you're spo- that's what you're spo- you who you're supposed it. to throw it to. Mm-hmm. You can see it in the far boundary. The two tight ends are still right next to each other. But everything he does here, I mean, he squares up, feet are good, he just drops the ball. 
Uh, I mean, I mean, look, man, it hits him on the hands. You can see, like, yeah, no matter is it, what, like, yeah, does he have to go up to get it? Sure, but there's no one even around him. He doesn't even take contact while he, like, even after he he touches the ball, like, he could have easily caught that and just gone down, and easily we would have had the ball within within the ten yard line. Pull I mean, it's your body, just pull it right back into your body, man. It's, I mean, I we just it. have an issue with with dropping right now, and I mean, people can say, oh, well, he missed the two wide open guys, guys. If he admit, even if he had gotten to them, the likelihood is is that he would they would have been tackled around this exact same spot. Maybe we should just say, hey, maybe he should have caught it. Maybe mm-hmm. instead of saying Baker should have thrown it to them, maybe maybe it, Don Peoples Jones should have just caught the ball. Well, I that's mean, that's what I'm saying too. Like, and it's clear that was the first read. The two tight ends, you're not. I'm pretty. sure I could be wrong, especially tight ends. They're not supposed to be right next to each other. No, that's that the other thing I didn't understand. Unless it was, I think Kurt Warner mentioned that too. Unless it was to take attention off of a safety, yeah. But, but that, other than even that, that like, it wasn't a route meant to be like getting the ball. It looked like, mm-hmm. at least from what I saw. Now this one, this is the last one we're going to show because it just kind of proves the point about the wide receiver room and really not being able to create any separation at all. You have Hooper and Hunt in the backfield. <laughs> you have three wide receivers. Tell me where, to, like, and he'll pause it. But you guys tell me too. Who's open right now? Who's open? Like who's open? Where he's supposed to throw the football? I mean, anybody? You, you got. You're gonna have to throw it and give your wide receiver a chance on the boundary over there. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've seen people arguing about this. They're like, "Oh, what do you mean, guy at the top? Oh yeah, he's, he's about to break past his guy not, not and get that. open." Not and it's that. like, it's like, dude, they, he's they two Hooper. steps. He's they two, mentioned yeah. Hooper at the end when he's already releasing the ball. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it, it, look. People just wanna wanna act like these guys are yeah. superhuman and don't get me wrong. We have some superhumans in this league, but none of them are on the Browns and none of them, they're not as common as you think. This, exactly. Like, like there's no one here is capable of getting past their guy into a state where they're open enough to, unless Baker Mayfield just rainbows this thing perfectly into the bread <laughs> basket, just completely just like Aaron Rodgers, like transcendental <laughs> excuse me sorry sorry for for the swearing like i'm sorry this isn't like these are not passes that anyone can just make all any at any point you can't make these perfect pinpoint accurate passes on guys who are in windows that don't exist and i don't understand what people are expecting they just think that 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 you can just make good passes to guys who are covered it just doesn't make any sense to me i just hate the argument that okay what about hooper when he releases from that break after the ball is already released, man. Baker's yeah, he, already turned the other way. Like Baker guys, made it. Baker guys, literally looked at every single read. Really are we, are we not going to talk about the fact that Hooper, <laughs> when when Baker's about to throw the ball, is two yards downfield, not even looking, and he takes a an out route, and the guy and there's a there's a corner right there, just wait, lower linebacker, right right there, just waiting for him. <laughs> like, I mean, what what's he supposed to do? He's just supposed to know. <laughs> like, I just don't understand what how how people see these like the wide receivers just going anywhere to progress their route and he's still trying to throw the ball to them and they're just like well why didn't why didn't he throw to that guy uh who was progressing the other route at the bottom who was about to get open how do you what do you mean about to get open you can watch the video and he doesn't get open like he would have waited 10 more seconds yeah i mean got sacked (laughs) yeah i mean because like you see when baker's dropping back at this point there's nobody it's supposed to looks like go to the bound but there's nobody open and then hooper like you can see it here as the play progresses he does release and he's like his hand like he's got his hand up like he's expected to get the ball like what and he is just (laughs) draped over right there man it's it's so bad though for real I, i mean i don't know what you're expecting these guys like what you're expecting baker to do i get quarterbacks guy winning football games but it's a two-way street at the same time. Like they gotta, they gotta find a way to help him out. You can't, yeah. you just, you can't have that. I mean, right now, you could argue outside of that game on Sunday. And again, I don't know how many opportunities. Like when Jarvis Landry wasn't being pressed one-on-one, it seemed like he could get open. But I mean, even when he was pressed one-on-one, no, no offensive wide receiver or really tight end for that matter can consistently get open. Mm. And that's clearly a problem. And that's why, I mean, you have to address it in the draft of one and in free agency. And when you do get open, catch the football. (laughs) Catch the football. That's what you're paid to do. You got to help your quarterback out. Your quarterback's got to help you out. It's just, it's not just Baker, like, you know, Kurt Warner said, but 
I'm not trying to say Baker's having a great season. I'm not trying to say he's an MVP. You know, I'm just saying you got to help your quarterback out. You got to win. You got to win games as a team. Yeah, 100. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to win games as a team, and when you don't, it's it's going to be a problem. But again, with Baker Mayfield, I wanted to read you guys his overall PFF grades. So when he came into the league in 2018, his rookie season, he had an 83.2, mm-hmm. very solid. Even under Freddie Kitchens, it was a 74.4. And last year, 2020, an 85.7. This year, it's a 65.3. So I want you guys to tell me, because it, uh, it's unfortunate that we are, as a fan base, either delusional to this fact or just completely ignore it. What are you noticing between those grades compared to this one this year? What what's the one what's the one thing that he wasn't dealing with those three years that he's dealing with this well, year? I mean, yeah, we, I, that's the obvious <laughs> thing is the injuries. That's the obvious thing, but not even that. It's you took away weapons from the guy too. Kadero Hodge was a solid target. That dude was a consistent target in my opinion. He was a route runner, man. He yeah. could get open. That dude could get open. Uh, yeah. I mean, Higgins, obviously, I think Baker made Higgins' career. I'm just going to say that. Baker made that dude's career. That dude went undrafted for a reason. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sh- throw shade, but there's a reason why every single coach that's had him on the roster has kind of thrown him in the doghouse for a reason. That being yeah. said, the offensive line, too, is struggling this year. This is probably the worst year the offensive line has had so far. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of things that tie into it. But, yes, the most obvious one, Tyler, is definitely injuries. I'm, I'm glad you said it because unfortunately we that's an excuse though you're not you're not allowed to say that no you're not, unless you're Russell you're Wilson not, unless you're Russell huh? Wilson yeah of course or <laughs> or you can't even talk about the fact that Lamar Jackson's statistically having the worst season of his career mm-hmm. you can't bring that up because he's still winning games it's amazing how all that works though. the luckiest team in the NFL <laughs> hey, I keep saying that. I firmly believe it. But, you know, Pete Smith, he had hit a great tweet today that I thought was just fantastic. And it kind of talked about excuses. So I want to read you guys this tweet. This is at underscore Pete Smith underscore um, does great work for SI um, Digest Browns Digest with uh, Brandon Little, who is a great guest on the show. Another tired notion. Everything is an excuse. It's an excuse to point out Mayfield is playing injured. It's an excuse to point out the wide receivers are struggling to get open. It's an excuse to point out Wills is injured. At what point do we simply acknowledge these are simply reality? I just yeah. don't get why this fan base is like, nah, we, we, we want to go back to mediocrity. We don't want a good quarterback. We don't want a good coach. We don't want to. We, we were literally, we throw a parade for 0-16. But when we're still in the hunt right now for the playoffs, we want to throw everything out the window. It's just this fan base is so confusing to me. I just want us all to just shut up and enjoy this because we have a chance to be like a dynasty if we can keep building this thing. Like I understand people think we have this window, but we have a GM that could turn this team into a dynasty. I really do believe that. And a coach. So yeah. Jack, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on all that? Uh I'm look, I understand people's frustration. The issue is is that I don't think that call saying that he's making an excuse for why he's playing poorly is really, you know, solving any problems. It's not an excuse because he's, he's coming out and saying that he's playing terrible and he's not even using the, the injury as an excuse. In fact, I mean, the only people who are really using it as an excuse is, I mean, I don't know, maybe his wife and <laughs> some other, some other people, but like Baker knows that he could play better. I'd be the first to tell you I played like, shit, so there's give and take, but um, I, I expect myself to be better. And he, thinks that he can, which is why he's continuing to play. Now, obviously there are a bunch of people who think that maybe he should sit out. Maybe he should go get his surgery just to make sure that he's as healthy as possible. We've advocated for that a little bit on this show, you know, just as a possible alternative, but as it currently stands, we are in the playoff race. Baker is our best quarterback option and we're going to run with him until, well, literally until the wheels fall off. So yeah, just that that's just how it's going to be. Yes, he's injured. Yes, there's going probably going to be some uh, like effects of on his game, but to say that like he's playing bad and therefore he, we should just get rid of him and just completely go back. I mean, you're you're just taking every taking things out of context like that and acting like just because he's playing therefore he can't use the fact that he's hurt as an excuse. That I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Twitter fingers, man. Twitter fingers. <laughs> I love the Twitter GMs. They're so yeah, good. That's that's even worse. That's so. I mean, bad. I mean, I get it. We have we have our opinion, and we're we're firm that we believe in Baker. But it's like, I just don't want us to be blind to this. Like, oh, Baker's having a bad year because he sucks. No, no, 
there's no way he regressed that much. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to bring it up. I'm not going to say any names, but I saw something where someone who I now have blocked on Twitter said that Baker is a third string quarterback. And in two years, he will be Gardner Minshew. No, don't give me that. Don't give me that. What do you mean? Gardner Minshew was a starter until he got kicked out of his own team because Urban Meyer decided to start someone who was worse than him. Baker I mean, is better than Gardner Minshew. That's all I mean. No, no, no. That's Baker's I mean. better than Gardner Minshew. But acting like Gardner Minshew's trash, I mean, I don't know. He's better than Jalen Hurst, though. Right, I think Alex? there's. I think that there's a couple of teams who would prefer to have <laughs> Gardner Minshew on their team on. than who they currently have. I mean, my God. Before actually we go present our winner of opportunity player of the week last week presented by Jack Sky Renewal by Anderson. I wanted to play because we weren't really able to cover this uh, during the bye week. Andrew Barry had the chance. He was asked a lot of questions on Brown's quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I'm going to play that. I- I'm going to play that video for you guys. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that and it, what you really took away from it. You're not going to get a lot of Andrew Barry, but I just want to get your guys' opinions on what you think he was trying to say in, um, in this video when he was talking with the Browns media last week on Baker Mayfield, especially from a, you know, from a long-term perspective, you really try and take, you know, a big, big picture approach. Um, it, it really, with any player, you know, it's about body of work over, you know, really over several years and also taking into context the, the environment or a, picture, a particular individual situation. We've seen Baker play a lot of good football here. We've seen Baker play good football, you know, this season, um, I know he's excited and we're excited for the opportunity ahead of us, you know, and we expect him to play his, his best football moving forward over the next five weeks. Baker is incredibly, um, you know, incredibly physically tough. Yeah, I think he'll, you know, he's told you guys, you know, at moments of the year where he's been frustrated with this, you know, with his, with his own performance. You know, that being said, you know, he has had, had stretches, um, you know, this year where, you know, he has played, has played well for us. Um, and look, you know, the reality is like he's, he's worked through, Injuries no different than you know other players on our roster, um, you know. But I know, you know he expects of himself, and we expect you know him, um, you know, whenever he's on the field to perform at a at a capably you know, capable level at a winning level, um, and and we expect him to play his best football down the stretch here after the bye. Yeah, Mary Kay, I I don't know it's so much about you know showing you know showing me anything like really our focus is on you know winning games and and, and playing at a at a high enough level that you know, allows us to, you know, be in a strong spot in December. That's, that's really where the focus is. I think, you know, I think, I think Baker showed a lot over the past, you know, four or I guess kind of three plus seasons. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to this notion that there's some, um, you know, something in these next five games that's of particular focus, so to speak. You know, our expectation is when, when guys are on the field and our players' expectations of themselves when they're on the field, um, if they're there, they're going to perform at a high level. The second piece of that, Daryl, is um, you know the reality is we're in December in the NFL. Um, you know nobody's you know nobody's 100. You know whether it's a, you know doesn't matter what position that you play. You know, but everybody who is there is not only just like healthy enough to be out there or healthy enough to play, but healthy enough to play it you know at a winning level. And so that's our expectation of guys when they're on the field. Baker's our quarterback. He's you know he's he's healthy enough to win games for us. He he has won games for us in the in the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, no. There, if 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 he's ready to go, you know he's he's going to be our starter. After after seeing that, what were your guys' thoughts overall, just on what Andrew Barry had to say? Jack, I'll oh. start with you. What were your oh, yeah, thoughts? Um, well, I mean, I, it sounds definitely. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he never he didn't say anything about committing long term to Baker. Which I mean, I don't know if that's on purpose or if that was just the way that the questions were worded and the way that he decided to answer them. But I I think one of the big things there is that he talks about looking at the body of work and also looking at the context for which that body of work was, was, you know, it had, was consolidated. And I mean, I think he's, he's obviously looking at saying, well, look, we're going to look at Baker. We're going to look at how he performed, but we're not just going to look at it in a vacuum. We're not just look at the stats. We're not just going to say, well, look at these stats he had in 2019. Look how bad he performed. He's going to say, well, let's look at the offense. Look at, let's look at, uh, you know, maybe the things that were going on around it. Uh, what happened in 2020 that maybe might've caused some issues the first couple of weeks. What happened in this season that maybe might've caused some 
uh, some of the down downfall in, in the way in some of his numbers. I, I don't think Andrew Barry's stupid. I think we all know that Andrew yeah. Barry is very, very smart and that he's going mm-hmm. to look at every single piece of analytics to, to really, you know, analyze is Baker Mayfield, the guy moving forward. And he's not going to get caught up in the idea of, well, I'm only going to look at the stats. I'm not going to look at the human element of the game and just the actual way that the, that, you know, the entirety of a football season is long. There's a lot of different, elements that are all coming together and injury is one of them. And he said, and obviously he said stuff about how obviously mm-hmm. we're just because you're injured doesn't mean that you're really going to get a pass. You know, everyone's injured at this point, but I think that he also knows that for a quarterback in particular, an injury of this magnitude and of this, you know, various of this nature really does have an impact in that they're not going to probably hold it as much against him, especially considering that there are other factors at play, including just the fact that he doesn't have a lot of talent. I don't think that this says anything in regards to if Baker is going to be our, our long-term quarterback moving forward, both for or against, but I, I don't see how people can use this as, Oh, well, obviously they're, they're not super dedicated or super dedicated to keeping Baker around past next season because I think that this if anything just shows that they're willing to look at Baker in a more honest manner with mm-hmm. full context for everything that he's been through seriously and when he says we're going to look at this as with a, a big picture approach I, I take that as okay what has Baker done in the past you know good and bad what can Baker do for us in the future so I, I really do believe that he's looking at it as like okay I'm not going to look at this year and then he mentions Okay, then we got to take into account the environment of the individual. So I believe that means, okay, how are we helping Baker, you know, succeed? How are Baker's injuries holding him back? I, I We're not dealing with a dumb GM. We're not dealing with whoop-de-hell Freddie Kitchens as our coach either. So I really think they 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 know Baker is the quarterback. Do I think the deal gets done this offseason? I don't know. I think they're going to. I think they are going to explore other options at quarterback this offseason, but not someone to replace Baker. But yeah, so I think when he says big picture approach, it's what can Baker do for us in the future? Can Baker take us to the Super Bowl? Can he, can, you know, can he get the whole thing done? And what has he done in the past to good and bad to, you know, succeed with this team? So I, I really, I don't take it as, I know we saw Chop say Baker should be renting houses in Cleveland and stuff like that. I, I do not take it that way at all. I really don't. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't need it. And of course that video was courtesy of Cleveland.com. That was Brown's GM Andrew Barry over the bye week, just addressing the media. And of course, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, all the questions were about Baker Mayfield. My takeaway is, of course, he really didn't give anything away, but they're not going to base it off this terrible, like this year that he's having. That's mm-hmm. not very good. I mean, and Andrew Barry knows that he's, but the thing that I want to address about this, of course, he says all players are injured and people are like, well, Andrew Barry's saying that Baker Mayfield's healthy and he can go out there and play. Mm-hmm. Okay. A coach and a general man, let, let me get this straight. A coach and a general manager aren't going to go out and be like, yep, he, he's hurt. So this guy's struggling because he's clearly like, you're not going to make excuses. That's just not what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad look for the organization if you're doing that and still putting a player out there. Baker Mayfield's coming out and saying the same thing. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, man, I shouldn't be playing because I'm too hurt. Like, you're just not going to do that. And that's kind of the problem I have. I believe Andrew Barry is going to go out and probably sign a veteran to compete. Um, mm-hmm. At least put pressure on Baker. Marcus Mariota comes to mind. Mitch Trubisky comes to mind. I mean, Jameis wins even possibly when he recovers from injury. Just to put that pressure on him. But I think I think that Baker is going to bounce back next year, especially when you're able to add some weapons for him. That's clearly an issue right now. And I guarantee you Andrew Barry knows that. Is he going to come out and say it? No. He's not going to come out and say things that – are wrong with like you're just not going to do that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are very smart they're never going to come out and slam what they have it's just not going to happen like Stefanski I I love how he says I need to be better Mm -hmm. and people get tired of hearing that he's not going to come out and say well the receivers got to get open like I'm calling it they got to get open like Chauncey Billups right now for Portland Trailblazers is actually throwing players under the bus basically saying they're not tough whatever it might be you don't do that as a head coach Mm -hmm. and Kevin Stefanski's not do it Andrew Barry's not going to do it so for me, I don't think it really said anything. If anything, I think it's good for Baker. They're going to look at everything. They're not going to look at just this year. Yeah, and, no, and, exactly. gonna, and injuries are going to get taken into account with that as well. Yeah, yeah. everything's going to be taken into account with it. Yeah, because this whole team is just 
underperformed. Yeah, yeah completely, 100%. Yeah, and I, I really think Andrew Barry knows that. I think him and Stefanski have already sat down and talked about it. I don't think Stefanski took this job to work with any other quarterback either. So well, I don't. They brought they brought him. I, if I remember correctly, the reason they brought Kevin Stefanski in was for Baker. May, yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong on that. Jack, I, no, I mean, I, I remember hearing. I remember hearing they brought him in because he committed to Baker. I think I I'm not sure if it's true, but I remember hearing McDaniel's wanted to clean house. So yeah, yeah. So I remember them saying, "Yeah, Stefanski was sold on Baker, and he's committed to Baker." And mm-hmm. dude, it's it's the second year in the offense. The first year was amazing. I'm sorry. Obviously, it was the back half of the season because what we believe was slowing us down the front half of that season. But it's your quarterback's injured. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to think that's a reason or not, your quarterback is banged up injured. They're not going to exactly. say it like Tyler said. The dude's not 100%. When he comes back next year, it's going to be a whole different narrative. I, I promise you. I mean, yeah. let's just look at the first like four or five games of this season. The first we were, game alone. We, were, we were averaging yeah. somewhere between like 25, 27 points a game. And now after he got injured, after the, after the, the last, the next, the, the came, the games that come after that, where we injured his shoulder, uh, especially in the game against the Cardinals. Um, all of a sudden we're getting somewhere between like 16 to 18 points per game. I mean, just a huge drop in efficiency that can all be kind of correlated to one thing, the injury to Baker Mayfield's shoulder. And I think that we can all look at that and just say like, obviously, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, but I, I think that we can all look at the correlation and say that there's might be some causation there mm-hmm. because yeah. the wide receiver room is not that much different. I mean, it really, I mean, cause OBJ wasn't here the second half of the year. Baker was on the money last year cause he was able to throw guys open. Mm-hmm. And right now he just he doesn't have that ability because he's injured, but mm-hmm. he can't do it consistently. He's being held back right now. At least that that's what I see. That I think it's throw, pretty obvious. That one throw Sunday night to DPJ that he dropped, that was the first time I saw them do a the bootleg rollout opposite side of the field and have Baker turn back. You know yeah. what I mean? That was the first time I saw that since, like, the preseason game when he I threw I do believe Hodge. also, too, that was – that happened before he actually re-injured his heel. I, if oh, I, if that I'm is true. No, that. you're right. You're right. He re-injured his scrambling later on. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, so yeah. I, I mean, that's, so that's the takeaways from Andrew Barry. And before we wrap up, um, the Browns and Ravens round one recap guys, your, your player for last week, your window of opportunity player of the week presented by Jack Scott over new by Anderson. Zach, who is it for you? I, I get uh, it, There were offense was bad, but a lot of good options on defense to choose from. Yeah. See, I'm going to go Greg Newsom again. That's my boy, man. He, he is stepping up week after week after week. Obviously it could go between him and Denzel Ward. Every time I pick two players though, you guys get mad at me. So I'm going to go Greg Newsom. I mean, he he just shuts down anyone that goes up against him. Like, I, I really think he has the potential to be the cornerback one alongside Denzel Ward. So it's definitely fun. It's definitely fun seeing those two be our, our top two corners. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa. I know that a lot of people just, you know, he's not very good. He's overhyped. I mean, yeah, Tony you know, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, I don't want to say any names here, but I mean, no names, you know, please. the very next day, JOK comes out and has probably one of his best performances. And he comes out and is one of the highest rated linebackers in the league, especially as a rookie. And this is after being hurt for multiple weeks. I, I don't know how you could possibly look at his performance as anything other than just, you know, he's one of the top, linebackers in the league and he's going to be one of the pillars of this defense moving forward i mean the the way that he's able to shut down that explosive offense for the ravens just tells you all you need to know about the guy i mean he's he's gonna be one of the those guys that we look forward to seeing every single game for the you know the next couple of years and i I love before you give your guy tyler i love what jake burns said about jake uh with about jeremiah because he said he plays fast forward you know what i mean Dude, awesome, and he man. does, man. That dude will play from the opposite end of the field and make a tackle on the completely other end of the field. And he'll be the first one to the ball carrier, too. Mm-hmm. Instant playmaker, man. We got to steal. I, I love that kid. R- real quick before I give mine, he remind. and again, he's not 
Guys, when we when I mention pro comparisons, don't take it as me saying this is who he's going to be or this is mm-hmm. who he is. But he reminds me his play style of Troy Palomalu in Pittsburgh. Yes. Just flying 100%. all over the field, man, yep. and making plays. That's exactly who he reminds me of. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we actually – this guy's not in Pittsburgh and he's playing for us. Oh, <laughs> man, it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's is. no doubt about that. But for me – I'm going to give it to a guy who I really like. I, I'm rooting for him. It, he's coming back from a really severe injury, but really I, I feel like starting to make make his mark on this team is Grant Delpit. Uh, again, 44 snaps, 91.1 grade on defense, which is completely elite. And in coverage, he was a 90.5 mm. uh, and a 78.5 tackle grade, which he knew coming in that the biggest question with Grant Delpit was his tackling. He did really well last Sunday. I'm really excited about Grant Delpit. I think he's going to have a really big future with the Browns here, especially given the uncertainty with Ronnie Harrison this offseason. Mm-hmm. So Grant Delpit for me, um, I, I think he's he's a future um, very, very um, good start for this defense. But that is our window of opportunity players of the week presented by Jack Scott over at Renewal by Anderson. And before we wrap things up here, we're going to go around the league, give you the scores from the game's from our bye week that um, when the Browns were off, the Cowboys beat the Saints 27 to 17. Steelers beat Baltimore 20 to 19. That was actually very satisfying to see Lamar Jackson choke when it mattered. I felt, yeah, I felt disgusting, but I was a Steelers fan on Sunday night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, he Lamar choked. He got him down there, but he missed a basic throw and a two point conversion. Imagine that was if it was very Baker. satisfying. It was Baker's fault. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. No, listen, man. I say it to everything. Uh, Tampa Bay beat the Falcons 30 to 17. Kyler Murray was back for the Cardinals. They're 10 and 2. They beat the Bears 33 to 22. Chargers beat the Bengals 41 22. The Lions get their first win of the season. Um, last second touchdown catch by Amon Ross St. Brown. They beat the Vikings 29 to 27. Jared Goff, beat- Jared Goff is winning on and off the field. Go ahead. What? <laughs> I, no, I get it. I get it. You'll have to clarify for people that want to ask you that no, later I'm good. why that I'm is. Good. <laughs> the Dolphins are beating the uh, beat the Giants twenty to nine. The Eagles beat the Jets 33-18. <clears throat> the Colts beat the Texans thirty one to zero. Washington football team beat the Raiders seventeen to fifteen. That's a big another big one for the Browns. Uh, we need Washington to win that game. The Rams beat the Jaguars thirty seven set thirty seven to seven. And I'm not even going to go into the Rams because there was a lot of fun stuff from that game to talk about. But we're not a Rams podcast. <laughs> the Seahawks beat the 49ers 30-23. to The Chiefs beat the Broncos on Sunday Night Football 22-9. And to round it out in probably the most – I was telling Jack this pre-show, the most boring game I've ever watched in my life, the Patriots beat the Bills on Monday Night Football 14-10. to Mac Jones threw it three times when the Patriots won that game. Yeah, and Stefanski. They've won seven in a row. Stefanski in her first place in the AFC. Dude, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick the only coach that can outcoach the weather. I I don't know, man. It's truly incredible. It's seriously incredible, for real. That dude is something else, man. Absolutely, mate. Seriously, I don't like him, but you got to respect him. Uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Does he need to get out of New England before he freezes to death? Because probably I have, looked like that, he was dying. I have a video that I got to share with you, but it was like him just jogging to the field at the beginning of the game. He looks stiff, man. He, he looks stiff. Dude, he didn't look happy either. He's like, oh, no, this he's like, oh, what, am, what am I getting myself into? Oh, man. Well, again, guys, uh, remember that the show is going to be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We had um, a, a brief delay with that so mm-hmm. this episode will be back up there so we apologize for that if that's where you normally get your podcast we are also available on iHeartRadio, and like i announced um at the very beginning of the show a new twitch channel is currently it, it's up right now it's not ready to go yet so that's why we're not on twitch tonight but it's at fd podcast cle you want to make sure go follow the twitch and you want to go follow us on Twitter at FD Podcast CLE. Our pin tweet, you have to retweet that and follow us on Twitch for a chance to win a signed Joel Petonio jersey. What better than to get a future Hall of Famer's jersey? And the I longest mean, tenured I, Brown. And the longest tenured Brown. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing, guys. You have to retweet 
the pin post, but you also <laughs> have to follow us on Twitch. I have to clarify this because we're seeing a lot of people retweet it, but we're not getting the follows the followers on Twitch. That has to happen. We have to get the 500 followers on Twitch. We've seen you guys like get us over a thousand followers in the span of 24 hours on Twitter. This should be this should be a cakewalk for you guys. As and if soon we as get a thousand followers on Twitch, Jack will sign one. the jersey. Jack will sign the jersey himself. I will. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, wait, wait, wait. I don't think anybody wants that. I don't, I like whoa, that. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, fire. Jack. All right. That's fine. <laughs> no, but no, but seriously, guys, oh, make man. sure to do those two things. We're gonna keep remind we're gonna keep reminding you guys about it. Obviously, very important. Um, because we are going to hopefully within the next week, week and a half, we will be on Twitch. Mm-hmm. That's not going to take away what we do as far as with Spotify and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're still going to be on there, but live shows are only going to be exclusively on Twitch. You'll mm-hmm. be able to send us all your questions, comments. We'll get to as many as we can. It's a better way for us to interact with you guys and our creator, uh, graphic designer behind the scenes, Zach, too, because I don't know his last name. He is really working his tail off right now and designing all slides, all types of uh, videos for us, for you guys, to give you guys the best experience we can give Cleveland Browns fans. So Twitch is going to be coming out here pretty soon. We're psyched for it. But you want that Joel Petonio jersey, you guys know what to do. Mm -hmm. And before we sign out of here, remember, if you need the best replacement windows, call Jack Scott, Renewal by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window replacement experts for over 117 years. Call Jack today for a free consultation at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. We're the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. We'll talk to you guys all Saturday night. Thank you for tuning in and go Browns. Music copyright, Imagine Dragons, whatever it takes. Copyright 2017 by Interscope Records. All rights reserved. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.